0: Yo, this is Pastor Tito, and welcome to another episode of the Revolutionary Podcast. Welcome back to another episode as we are studying the Book of Acts. And today, we are going to look at answering a question that, as a pastor, I get asked a lot. And it was something that I would ask a lot. I mean, I think any normal Christian asks this question in the sense of how do I mature in the faith? What does it look like to grow as a Christian? And so what we're going to do is we're going to go all the way down to the foundation, because if you get the foundation right, Holy Spirit will take care of the rest. We've all heard of uh, self-help books. Anybody have and purchased a a handful of those in any category, right? We're familiar with self-help books. I mean, they can help you to do anything. I know maybe mom, some of you maybe took some of those, uh, uh, how, you know cooking books right that's kind of like a self-help book or whatever and uh, that is uh, it's not super shocking as much but uh, do you guys know that that is a 12 billion dollar a year industry right now 12 billion dollars depending on the, between the books and the videos and the services and all these things that you can get for self-help that's a lot because obviously one of the coolest things especially about the internet and technology is that we can transfer a lot of this information right we're, we're all needing help and I know for every parent right every parent wants to be a better parent like no parent or at least i have not met one yet i am sure there's one out there i have not met one yet never a mom that held a baby in their arms on the day they were born and says i can't wait to mess your life up like i haven't met a mom like that all right i don't know again i mostly but i'm sure somebody maybe there might be one exist out there but Even then, you know, like parents, we always wonder, how can we do better? How can we do better? And that's what the self-help stuff does, right? What are things that I can do to improve my finances, time management, health, wealth, marriage, kids, parenting, all those things. Now, self-help is okay, but the thing is, as as believers, and I'm here to tell you one of the things that we got to be cautious with, because we tend to look at that same approach sometimes with our faith right? We can get that book on like how to get your next spiritual breakthrough, right? Or what's the one thing that how can you uh, improve and have a a better prayer life, a better this, a better that. There's all good resources out there. And technically, aren't I doing that right now? Right? Helping you a little bit. But the thing is, I want to help you most by helping you understand that self-help can kind of, it's especially when it comes to your faith, it's a little bit of an oxymoron, meaning it, it doesn't make sense. Because the self, yourself can't help because yourself is the problem. All right, That's, that is the issue. That's what Jesus came to show us is that the self needs help. The self needs help and it can't find it in itself. It is outside, the source has to be outside of ourselves. And so I, I, I mention all that self-help stuff today because we're gonna look at the question, how do I grow in the, my faith? How do I mature? How can I mature as a godly man, as a godly woman? How can I do that? And so there is a part that you can play, but the greater part is really God's. You need to find really your part that puts you in the best position so that God can do his y'all got it that's the one how can we put ourselves in a position where God can do his and there does require some form of participation it's usually a response on our end and that's what we're going to look at today on how to be able to grow our faith so that we can be that kind of godly men and women that God can use in the world for not just our families for our church and the community itself and so we're going to look and let's read acts chapter 11 we're going to read a story from verse 19 through 30. All right, so we're gonna have it on the screen for everybody if that doesn't have it and so you can also look at it online as well but here we go this is titled the church in Antioch we're gonna read the whole thing from 19 through 30 all ready to go all right let's do it so it says here now those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia Cyprus and Antioch speaking the word to no one except the Jews. So these guys right now, they were thinking, I mean, they were so shocked to know that, look what God has done, and they always kind of remembered these things, so they always went to the Jews to help them to understand, only to the Jews, and to help them understand what Jesus did, which is kind of weird, but, there's a big but here, but there were some of them, specifically men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks Also, proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. Praise God for godly men who are able to, you know, they got God's uh, uh, unashamed to be able to talk about Christ, that they have Jesus on their lips. And so I know we were kind of being grateful for those godly women in our life. All right, can we be grateful as well for the godly men like this that are willing to be able to communicate and share and talk and point us to Christ? And so here's what we see, some amazing godly men doing this. And then it continues on, the Lord's hand was on them verse 21 and what says a large number who believed turned to the lord news about them reached the church in jerusalem and they sent out barnabas to travel as far as antioch when he arrived and saw the grace of god he was glad and he encouraged all of them to remain true to the lord with devoted hearts for he was a good man full of the holy spirit and of faith And large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Then he went to Tarsus to to search for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church, taught large numbers, and the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Last little story, in those days, so around the same time, some prophets came from down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus, he stood up and predicted by the spirit that there would be a severe famine throughout the Roman world, which did occur. So that was actually a fact. This took place during. Uh, here we go. The Rome, um, the reign of Claudius. So even that timeline shows you something really interesting. Kind of confirms the historicalness there. Each of the disciples says, according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brothers and sisters who lived in Judea. They did this, spent, uh, sending it with to the elders by who? We got there's Barnabas again and Saul. So all right, there's kind of the story there of the birth of this one church in. Antioch, all right? Now, guys, I like to be able to, as I share and communicate, uh, it's super important for us to understand the then and the now because it just is better that way. That's how we can. Understand And I like uh, encouraging you guys on reading the Bible a kind of way, which helps you guys know how to read it in the future when I'm not there with you. And so there's one thing that if, uh, as we're zooming out and kind of giving you a little future thing, things are shifting. Things are shifting right now in church history. So here with this birth of Antioch, which was really cool, like the, the church at Antioch eventually at this point now, it actually overtakes the Jerusalem church. So there's a big shift happening right now in history. The first one was, did you guys see um, who... Well, it said at the very end, they sent this money because obviously the church was dealing with an issue because of the famine. They sent money to the elders who were in Jerusalem. So here's a big shift from now the Jerusalem church who was led by the apostles are now being led by pastor elders, very much like the way churches are today. So uh, all the apostles at this point are kind of going all over the world. And so they've officially handed off the first church in Jerusalem to something now that looks like a model that we have today. But then the other thing is this, we see a shift from Jerusalem, not to Antioch, where the church with the center of all activity was coming from Jerusalem, but not anymore. Now Antioch is going to be the focus on where all Christian activity is going to be coming out of Antioch. And, and I say that because there's going to be an interesting shift too, as Peter has been very influential up until this point, And really around this time, we're going to start to see Paul. Because like we saw Paul introduced a minute there again, God had uniquely used Paul for this purpose to be able to help others outside of the Jewish circle to be able to get to know Jesus and so all of those shifts are are interesting it's because there there's something that happened there that would help us to be able to understand for ourselves we're seeing the church grow we're seeing the church grow in a kind of way Yo, I got my water bottle somewhere, somebody help me out. I think it's over here somewhere. But um, we got the, the church grows in the kind of way, in the same way that ours does. And so we're gonna look at this major church to be able to see how we do it too. So here's the first one, somebody, I got you, right? So here's the first point I want y'all to see. I think I left it in the front, if not, I'm all right. The, all right. Can we put point number one up? I want you guys to see this. So we grow our faith as we go about our day, by God's grace. One of the things that we see here, how did this church go from nothing to being really the influential, you know, center of all what's happening in the Christian world at that time. Well, the first thing was this, as they they grew their faith, as they went about their day. So we saw what was happening, the persecution was happening, and what were these people doing? They were still talking about Jesus, weren't they? they? They didn't let their problems distract them from the person of Christ. And guys, that's a lot for us, because I know I know we probably all show up with issues and problems that take away our focus. But guys, if we can allow our perspective to remain on Christ, despite our problems, we're going to see God do something in amazing ways. And so that's what we saw here. But also, I, I put this word go. All right. Now, for us as Christians, we all know the Great Commission. And what did Jesus and if you don't, I'll remind you, what did Jesus tell everybody? Well, his apostles to do. He said to do what? go go into all the world right go into all the world and tell them what I've done tell them who I am but that word go is interesting because so many times we think well where am I supposed to go and do that right am I supposed to go to some country am I supposed to go over here that phrase actually just means as you go about your day and so if you're gonna on your way to work as you go to work Hey, look for opportunities as you're going home. Look for opportunities as you're going, you know, to Publix later. As you're coming now to give me water, right? You do all of those things. Thanks, babe. Look, there's a reason why. Look, okay. it. There you go. All right. All right. So listen, there, as you go about your day, that's the important part. That's what we saw here. We saw this church, despite the issues, despite everything, no matter where they went, they were telling people about Jesus. And that's super important. And that's how and this, this town here, um, they, it became so influential in this town that they caught a nickname. Right. You caught the nickname. This was the first time in human history where the term Christian came from was from this city. Now, this city was super big. It had half a million people, third largest in the Roman Empire. And so there was a lot of uh, think of New York City kind of a thing, very influential culturally. And so the Romans guys, they love their political parties. They love to kind of associate everybody in groups. And so they started looking at these guys and they were acting a little weird. These men, these women, they were associating in ways that really stood out. It wasn't like any other group in Rome. And so every time, every time they, they got some kind of a political name is because they took the character of whatever leader it was. And so they're noticing, I'm like, bro, this is a weird little group that keeps on growing and growing and growing. These guys, uh, men and women, uh, kind of treat each other as as equals. The, the women are deci- being discipled just like the men. That was a little weird for that time. We're seeing the rich and the poor gathering together, loving each other, honoring one another. We're seeing mixed groups, Jews and Gentiles and, and uh, non-Jews all mixing together. This is weird. And so we, we, you know, they were so unique and so influential that they got the term What? Christian, Christ-likeness, mini-Jesuses or whatever kind of a thing. And so that is, uh, why did they get that name? Because, see, these Christians, guys, were not compartmentalized Christians. As they went about their day, as they went about their day, they were just constantly just loving others and reflecting the love of Jesus so much that somebody said, you know who you remind me of? You remind me of some guy I heard named Jesus. Guys, let me be honest. Wouldn't that be the coolest compliment as a Christian to be able to hear? Right. To be able to know that, man, there's just something different about you. And I don't know what it is. It's Christ. It's the love of Christ in us. That's an amazing accomplishment there. But the problem, guys, is this is one of the biggest reasons why we could have or maybe you. And I know I've done this, too, where we can have issues growing in our faith because we don't go about our day always with this in mind. We compartmentalize, meaning we kind of turn it on and off right Sunday mornings we kind of turn on the Jesus switch all right and then we do that or maybe and then by the time we hit the parking lot on the way home the switch shuts off right and that, that kind of happens sometimes right not here no, none of y'all. Not, not, not me neither. And so that happens sometimes, right? We do Sunday, all right, we, we flip the switch. On the weekend, we flip the switch. When we go to work, flip a switch. When we're to our Christian friends, we flip that switch. When we're in our non-Christian friends, we flip a different switch, right? And so we, we see things as kind of like, this is secular things. These are godly things, not godly things. But the reality, guys, is that we ought to see all of it as missionary opportunities as believers we should see everything we don't turn off our faith here or there when we go to school when we're not when we're at home no this ought to be again as we go about our day we would see things like Paul would always say listen don't stop praying literally not praying to yourself I'll admit look I'm the one that I like to talk to myself sometimes so if you ever see that Okay, don't call. I'm 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 good. Trust me, but I like to verbally process stuff. But and anybody else? So I'm not alone. Anybody else like to talk to themselves too? Thank you. All right, there. There we go. Now, now don't feel so bad. Um, but listen, when he says pray without ceasing, pray without stopping, it just means, guys, that it just puts this focus on that we have to keep Christ on our hearts and on our minds. Paul would constantly say that think things that are above and keeping him on our minds, looking for opportunities. See, a lot of times we, don't may, we may experience some um, speed bumps in our spirit, spiritual growth because we're playing kind of like stop and go, stop and go. Red light, green light. Remember play red light, green light when you were a kid? Remember that game? Red light, green light. All right, red light, go. That's kind of what we do when we stop and go and stop and go. It creates a little bit of an inconsistency. And what we do then is we miss. Moments We miss moments in which God can use us and we miss moments in which God may be trying to get our attention. And so this is really important as we see here, no matter where they went, this is one way that we grow our faith is as we go about our day and we do it. Y'all catch this by God's grace. See, that's the key one that I told you guys. Look, the problem with self-help, it's not on us. This is, as we saw here, it said that the Lord's hand was on them. And this is important, guys. I want you guys to see that God does not tell you to be able to live this life on your own. And he's waiting to kind of give you a nice little congrats, a pat on the back. No, his hand is on you to help you, to propel you, to help do and to, you know, where you lack, the strength where you lack, he's right there. And so it is by him, he is the source of it all. But as we go about our day, there's two other things. So we're just gonna keep like unpacking this. What's something else that we can do? So here's point number two is this. So we grow our faith as we go about our day, but here's the other one, we grow, we grow in our faith as we stick to scripture. This is another thing that we see in this church. What were they doing consistently? No matter where they went, they were reflecting Christ. Why were they reflecting Christ? Because they were reflecting on the Word of God. Like, notice how Barnabas was there helping them, teaching them. These guys were encouraging each other, reminding them what are the things that they have heard and sharing it over and over and over again. Guys, this is important. And I I love the verse that that, uh, he says. Let me go back to verse 23. When Barnabas shows up, he arrived and saw the grace of God. So there it is, God again. He sees the grace of God and was glad. And he encouraged them to do what? He encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with a devoted heart. That was the key one there. The devoted heart, guys, means that inside you truly, truly believe this to be true. Because it's one thing to know something, it's another thing to believe it. Because your belief impacts your behavior, always. Your belief impacts your behavior. And so what are we to believe? Well, this is why it's important for us to not only do what we're doing once a week when we gather together as a church, but we do this in such a way that when you go home, you're able to do this even a little better on your own or in, in with somebody else, with well, hopefully family members inside and not. But this is important, not just something that we reflect on for 30, 40 minutes on a Sunday and that's it. No, scripture, God's word is so important to be able to look at day in and day out with that, again, that devoted heart, the same word that, P, uh, that Barnabas used is the same one that Jesus did a long time ago when he had this, he used this word abide or remain in me. Remain in me and I in you. Abide in my words. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. That word abide literally means to cling, to hold on to tightly. All right. Um, I don't, there was one time I was on a, I was going to say boogie board. That's not it. It was on a tube, whatever. And so uh, I had a, I think it was my dad. We were on a boat and uh, we were tubing in the back. And I don't know if anybody's ever done water sports like that, if that's fun or not. And so I, I did that once and I was a little, I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, it was not my most manliest of moments um, because we were out in the ocean, ocean, out in kind of a little deep out there. I can't see the floor. I'm trying, you know, to be tough on the outside while on the inside I'm crying thinking I'm going to be eaten by a shark. And so I'm I'm holding on. I'm holding on and and that was I mean with a ninja grip. I wasn't letting go for nothing. And and I was holding on, making sure, making sure, making sure. And I, and by the time I got off and we were done, I literally I don't know if you've held on to something so tight that your muscles like clamped. And has anyone ever done that before? Like I'm walking around like, what's wrong with my hands? Like I couldn't open it back up again because they were so tight. That's kind of that word cling. Now I wasn't as bad as my boy, his uh, name is uh, Jorge Acosta, uh, George Acosta, he he, he wins. He actually flipped upside down and didn't let go. He had, his grip was so much better. And so all you see is the upside down thing, a bunch of waves just (laughs) And we're just thinking, what's going on? And he's, George, let go. You're going to drown. Let go, let go. And he just, mm, and by the time we finally pulled him over, making sure he was alive, he's still alive. And was like, why didn't you let go? He says, I swore I saw a shark, and if I let go, I was going to go right into its mouth, right? And so in his mind, that's, he was, I'd rather drown than be eaten by a shark. That was, that was the decision that he made. But again, look at that. What was the situation? He believed in his heart that there was a shark, And that caused him to behave a kind of way, right? And behave. That's the same thing. When we look at God's word and we see it for what it is and will not just know it, but believe it, it impacts our behavior. And sometimes I know that that journey from knowing to believing takes some hurdles, takes some walls that God has to tear down. But again. Keep going. Keep consistent. That's so important. That's what these guys did. They were constantly there. We saw, um, what's it called? Barnabas teaching these people. He said for a whole year he stood helping them, teaching them to stick to scripture, stick to scripture. And I use that word stick to scripture in the same way we culturally have used the word to uh, stick to something, right? If you want to see results, what do you got to do? You got to stick to it. Right. If you want to see, uh, you know, uh, what's it called? We got a lot of students here that we've discussed, right? We've talked about grades. Right. If you want to get good grades, you got to stick to it. Keep going. Keep practicing. Keep, if you want to improve on something in your life, what matters? Stick to it. Right. Keep going. And there's two things you could stick to. You could stick to something or someone. Right. And so have you ever heard of the 10,000 hour rule? Anybody ever heard of that one before? There's a rule that says that once you hit, it requires 10,000 hours of something to be able to be a master of something. So it just means what? Consistency, a a lot of it. And in order to hit 10,000 hours, what do you got to do? You got to stick to something, right? The greatest athletes, what do they do? They stick to their routines, their practice. The greatest anything, they stick to it. They stick to it. They stick to it. And the same thing is sticking to someone. Marriage is a big one, too. I know last, uh, this last Wednesday, after small groups, we had a really interesting conversation. And I got dropped with a question that I was like, wow. That was a, I wasn't, you know, it was all like a casual conversation. And then out of nowhere, it was like a serious one. And I'm like on the spot and I'm the pastor. So I, I felt like I didn't have a good answer loaded up, ready to go. And I was like, okay, you can make me think for a minute. And someone said, listen, you know, we're newlyweds and we're about two years in. Uh, you guys are going to celebrate 15 years uh, this summer. And she says, um what's the secret or what's one thing i'm like one thing uh i'm sorry babe learning that one right and so it was my fault i don't know i don't know there's something that you can do and and i was thinking about that i'm like all right if i can only do one thing what would it be what would it be what would it be and then i'm like all right it was this it's it's because i've noticed this in my life is that me me and alicia our marriage hit uh hit some rocks when we stopped doing what got us to that point. You know, like we were dating, then got married, and then we stopped dating, because now we're busy. Now we have this, and now we have that, and then kids, and and then a second kid, and a third kid. I'm like, where are these kids coming from? I was like, no, I I know how it works. I know how it works, but it gets crazy. It gets crazy how it just goes one after another, after another, and we started realizing we've stopped. Like, there was things that we used to do that, that it got us here, and we stopped doing it. And once we started doing it again, we started noticing oh wow there it is and so that's to, that's again another image of again sticking to something when it comes to you know all the married folks listen when you're married keep dating each other not anyone else okay each other but you got to keep dating and so just because you're married doesn't mean no mission accomplished no you ought to still keep dating. Does that make sense? And so once you, if you stick to it, you're going to see results. And guys, the same thing when it comes to scriptures, same thing. I know sometimes you may read something and you're like, Oh, I don't know. And I don't understand this. Well, zoom out, zoom in, ask a question. There's so many things that you can do, but if you stick to scripture, Christ himself said, it makes the difference. It makes the biggest difference when you stick to scripture because that's actually what Jesus said. He says, remain in me. The same word that Paul used, um, that, that Paul Barnabas said. He says, remain in the Lord, true to the Lord with a devoted heart. Jesus says, remain in me. And then he gives a definition in John 15. Remain in me. And to remain in me is to remain in my love. And to remain in my love is to remain in my word, into the truth of who I am. And so this one is huge for us, guys. And so for some of us, again, if, if you're seeing a little bit of a struggle with your spiritual walk, ask yourself, all right, maybe am, am I, as I go about my day, am, is my focus on Christ, am I thinking about him, or am I just very still selfish and self-centered, and then about scripture, I was like, all right, well, am I, am I diving into it, do I really believe what I'm reading, am I, you know, not going for more than superficial, the the superficial surface level stuff, which that's what I love about God's word, guys, that on the top, on the top of the water of what is God's word, it is, there's amazing things that float, but I always challenge you, listen, the pearls lie at the bottom. The pearls of the truth of God lie at the bottom, and it takes some time to be able to go in. And not only you read God's word, but you got to let God's word read you, all right? And that's what it is. When you let God's word read you, that's when we see a big difference. All right, so third one. Here's another one. So if you're seeing the inconsistency with what you're thinking or what you're believing, then let's look at this last one. When we, Here's how we grow our faith another way. We grow our faith as we encourage our neighbors and i put that word encourage there as well for a highlight and so we've been seeing this one guy again resurface for those of us that have been hanging out and we've been studying for the whole year how many times have we seen barnabas show up a handful right for as we've been this is probably the third or fourth time we've seen barnabas show up and if for those of you that don't remember barnabas isn't really his name barnabas is his nickname all right i have a nickname it's tito all right pastor tito that's not my name I'm like, I don't know, that's probably the most shocking thing for some of you right now, but that's not my name, all right? That's not my government name at all. And so that's a nickname, all right? Tito is a nickname. And so Barnabas is a nickname. And the nickname was given by the apostles. You know why? Because his, um, his demeanor, everywhere Barnabas went, man, you just felt encouraged. Like, you know, don't you got somebody that if you called them or if you've bumped into them, like, I don't care how how little the interaction was, your day is gonna be better. Like every time you talk to this person, you're again, encouraged. Every time you see this person, you're just walking away. I'm like, all right, cool. That was Barnabas. And so his name Barnabas means son of encouragement. And so that's, he was so, he was such of an encourager that that's how they nicknamed him. That was his nickname. And so here do we see him doing the same thing, right? Here he is encouraging people to get into God's word. And what I love about Barnabas is that we see something unique. He sees all of these non-Jews worshiping. And what did the scripture says? He says, when he saw them, he was glad. You know what he wasn't? He wasn't mad. Because when he showed up, he could have easily been like, okay, all right well, we got to talk because here's a bunch of non-jews now that are saved but they haven't kind of shed their uh worldly pagan practices and so they're kind of like mixing in a little bit of their new jesus with some of their old ways and barnabas could have showed up and be like listen you're doing it wrong that's it and be careful he could have easily criticized but instead he says guys keep going Rema- well, listen god has started something keep going keep going don't stop he didn't criticize. And I love this part. He didn't even jump to correcting them right away. Barnabas connected with them and then lovingly corrected them in God's word. Not just to be Jewish, no, but to be more like Jesus. And we can see Barnabas' legacy. Barnabas was so influential in this town, helping them to become more like Christ, that Barnabas' work is actually why we are called Christians today because of Barnabas and how he encouraged them because to, to look like Christ to reflect God's word but I also love this he didn't just re- encourage them into the word he also encouraged them to do the work you guys saw where Barnabas took off for a minute to go somewhere he had to go pick up a buddy who did he pick up and bring him to Antioch he picked up Paul Right? The apostle Paul, he went to a town where Paul was not say, Paul, you're not going to believe it, bro. You got to see what's happening in Antioch. Antioch? Yeah, Antioch. Third largest city next to Rome and Alexandria. Here's Antioch. And he goes, he's like, you got to see what's happening. And what's amazing is that he could have gone to Jerusalem, which Jerusalem was closer. He could have found another apostle and somebody and brought him in. But why did he go out of his way to go get Paul? Because Barnabas was there when Paul had just got saved. Barnabas knew God's call on his life. He knew that, bro, I know God has called you to be able to reach people that us Jews, you know, we're not able to reach. And so he goes out of his way to go get Paul and says, Paul, you got to participate here. Guys, listen, Paul's legacy, his influence, Barnabas helped. Barnabas was a part of the why we we think of and know of Paul so much why because there was a guy named Barnabas who could have just been like you know what I'm here first you know what this is my time to shine now this is my time to shine I'm gonna run this I'm gonna go down and everyone's gonna know me now see he goes and says who can I recruit to help who can I participate you know, I, I love uh, Ronald Reagan's quote. He had this great quote that sat on his desk. It says, I'm remixing it now. It's, it's amazing what a person can accomplish when they're, um, when they're okay not taking the full credit. Meaning that it's okay that you're, you're, when something great happens, hey, we're going to celebrate that. Yeah? You're not claiming all the credit for yourself. And so Barnabas was super cool, encouraging Paul to be able to say, hey, come and participate, come and engage. And that, life, that whole year that he was in Antioch, God used him and helped Paul to be able to grow up into the person that we have known even to today. And so it all started because of a guy named Barnabas saying, hey, man, why don't you come and help me? Why don't you come and help me? And guys, listen, that's a big encouragement for some of us. I know um, maybe that's like the, not the word that uh, we like to do a lot. Like can since somebody help me? You know, we try to, I got this, I got this, so I'm going to do it on my own. But listen, it's okay. All right. It's okay. Barnabas realized, hey, sometimes we all need help. So not to be so prideful to be able to kind of like push everybody off like that. But um, but what I loved about that is that he saw something growing beyond his capacity. And he says, man, this is a perfect opportunity not to promote myself. This is a perfect opportunity for Paul, for God to use Paul. And that's what happened. And so here we see uh, probably one of the coolest things that, that we saw in, This city that was now, again, this this church was being so known by, by their lifestyle, by all that they were doing, because of how they were, how they encouraged each other. And there's a, there's a term that I believe as, as a church, we got to do the same thing. It's called a spectator strategy. This is what runners do. Now, uh, I know yesterday was the Kentucky Derby. I don't know anybody like watching race horses. Apparently it was a decent one, right? And so those are pretty cool. Anybody like watching like race races, like marathons and stuff like that? Runners, right? Those are some people that go running for fun. Yeah, okay. That, that's an interesting breed. They just, you just run just for the sake of running, right, Jimmy? Now something's wrong with you. That's weird, right? And so, but hold on. But there's something that long marathoners that they do. It's called spectator. I don't know if you're familiar with this. The spectator strategy says, um, because at one point when you're doing a big marathon, right? You've done a few of those. When you do a big marathon, you're going to hit a wall. Physically, you're gonna hit a wall. You're, you're gonna get a dopamine dip, and and all you're gonna get is like negative thoughts, and you're just, oh, I can't do this. I'm I'm not. Your body is freaking out. Your body is trying to survive. Your body's trying to bail on you. It becomes your worst enemy now. And so what these runners do is that they strategically position friends and family along the route, so that when they hit this dopamine wall, I see you do this. Have you done this? They put, oh, okay. also now you're going to use it as, I'm sorry, Monica. And so now, (laughs) so now, so what they do is they put specific people along the route. So that way, while they're hearing their mind telling them, you can't do this, you can't do this. They're hearing their friend, their wife, their so-and-so saying, you can do it. You can do it. And so that external encouragement helps to overcome the dopamine dip that they're experiencing in order for them to finish the race. And so they do that all the time. That's the thing. And so, guys, see, as believers, that's what we need. We need to be able to have people in our lives. This is why the church matters, our family matters, but especially those in the faith. We need people in our lives so when all of us get that little spiritual dopamine dip, and we start to kind of, we let that thought enter in, again, that belief and the behavior, I can't do this, or I'm no good, or I I can't, or I this, or I that, or God. We need somebody to be able to be there and encourage us in the Word. And say, no, Christ is able. Greater is He who is in you than is against you, man. No, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. God loves you. He'll never abandon you. He'll never, you know. You see what I'm saying? This is why the church, this church grew so much. Was not just because of what they learned. It's what they did. They didn't weren't. They weren't just encouraged by the Word. They encouraged each other. Through the word. And that's why they grew. And so you can probably ask yourself, I'm like, right, well, I'm, I'm thinking about God a lot. I do that. I learn and I'm reading scripture a lot. It's cool. But then maybe, what about the people in your life? You know, how, how often do you reach out to somebody else outside of a Sunday to say, hey, how are you doing? Hey, how can, can I pray with you? How often do you ever, you, hey, I'm just thinking about you. You send that text message. Guys, that is what helped that church to grow. And that's the same thing that helps us as believers to grow. It's to not just be encouraged by the word, specifically by the spirit, but also to be encouraged one another. See, I'm doing that right now. All right. But I can't be everybody's spectator. You know, I'm, I'm here on a Sunday knowing I'm going to cheer you guys on and encourage you in God's word. But who's going to do that on Monday? You know, if you have that spouse, hopefully it's your spouse. You know, if if you don't, then hey, you got to have somebody. But who is that person that you can place and have a rhythm so that they're able to encourage you and keep you focused on Christ? Guys, look, these three things are important. All right. So the bottom line is this. Christians mature in the faith as they consistently engage the word and the world by God's grace. And I put that word consistently again to highlight that focus on as you go about your day. This is how we grow. And again, it takes time like anything else, right? But this is the reality of it. Christians mature in their faith as they consistently engage the word of God and the world. This matters. And I also put that word consistently because it's the inconsistency again that kind of trips things up. You guys know that if you try to transplant something over and over and over again, a plant, if you transplant it, you actually stunt its growth. So I, you can plant something, and then you're like, you know what? I'm not going to put it here. I'm going to rip it up. I'm going to put it somewhere else. No, nah, you know what? I don't like it there anymore. I'm going to rip it up. I'm going to put it somewhere else. The more you do that to a plant, do you guys know that it'll uh, you stunt its growth? It just stops growing. I know this because I did it by accident. I, this is how I learned of it, because I don't got a green thumb, all right? My, my grandmas, they were, but I, I didn't have that green thumb, all right? And so I'm trying to plant a jalapeno tree. I love me some spicy stuff. I don't know. In my house, you like spices. And so we got some uh, jalapenos for the waffles too. For, no, I'm just kidding. That would be a weird one. But anyways, um, listen, I try to plant a waffle, uh, a waffle tree. Listen, I'm thinking about waffles now. I planted a jalapeno tree. Okay. I planted a jalapeno tree and it was growing. And I'm like, ah, cool. But then I didn't like where I had it. And so I'm like, ah, you know, maybe I think it's, I think it's in the sun too much. Let me move it over here. So I, and then I moved it and then I get the same thing. And I'm like, no, it's not getting enough water over there, maybe, maybe it's over here. I couldn't make up my mind. I did it maybe like four times. And then finally it's, you know, I just I was wondering. I was like, man, this, is this, what is, you know, it's taking forever. And then I'm waiting and waiting and waiting, watering, doing, I stopped transplanting it, but it just wouldn't grow any taller. And then finally I noticed something. I'm like, what is that? I had my first jalapeno. It was this big like it was the weirdest thing it was like literally that it was a complete fully ripe jalapeno that big all that waiting and all that effort for something that was it that's it it was over it was over in two seconds why because i can't i kept transplanting it now as christians if you've ever read god's word and we've been reflecting this a lot during our small groups we are called to bear fruit we are called to produce fruit this is what that looks like when we're talking about maturing in the faith is, what does it look like? It looks like love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. What is that? That's called the fruit of the spirit. It's this external product. It's looking more like Christ, loving like him, being gentle like him, kind like him, controlling like, well, self-controlling like, all those things. But if we are inconsistent in these areas, if we're transplanting ourselves, like we're in the scriptures on a Sunday, Kind of. And then, you know, we're out. Or I'm going to just do the the, the Bible verse of the day in the morning, and then I'm good. Or I'm just going to go say my prayers for breakfast and before bed, and then I'm done. Right? And if we do this, I only see Christians when I'm at church once or twice a month. Right? You see, if we're constantly like in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, inconsistent, our fruit is not going to grow that well. It's not going to grow that well because of the inconsistency, because of what lacks there. And so that's why, again, I love and I'm going to just focus on that verse that Barnabas kept on saying. He said it was glad and he encouraged all of them like I'm encouraging you to remain true to the Lord with a devoted heart and remain. It's just that that death grip that that George had on on that tube. The same thing, having that grip on God, because the more we consistently do this, the better. And so it, it, it matters, guys, having the proper uh, balance and priorities is how we do this because as we engage in the word it ought to overflow in us into the world see that's how we engage others we engage others in the world our our brothers or sisters uh, we engage our spouses our kids we engage out of an overflow of what god does in us but that's the key thing you can't get what you don't have or if your priority is off So I got some images we're going to roll through. This is from uh, Chuck Smith on how to have um, spiritual leadership. And I think this is good for all of us if we just want to grow in our faith. And so here, he kind of shows this perspective of why, I would argue the same thing, why we don't grow. Can we put the first one? This one's drained and driven. I'm going to move over a little bit so y'all can see a little better. This is drained and driven. There's a lot of people, a lot of Christians who live like this, drained and and driven like they're they're not spending enough time in god's word to be filled and so all they're doing is trying to figure out who can i serve or what can i do and they're constantly putting so much of a focus on others they just get just enough from god but now they're out here and obviously if you're drained and driven like this you, what kind of a difference are you gonna make right not much this is the kind of Christian, like, for example, pastors. You guys know the one, the number one day of the week in which pastors quit? Monday. Monday is the number one day in which pastors quit. Usually from Sunday, it was such a bad day. They, trust me, there's been a lot of Mondays I barely made it out of. Okay. So Mondays are the day because you know why there's a lot of, there's a lot of pastors out there who go to Sunday and they're, they're feeding the flock, but they're not feeding themselves. And so they start it's like a a chef who starves to death in the kitchen, cooking for everybody else, but never eats himself. Guys, as a believer in Christ, you're not going to survive if you have the same approach. Does that make sense? If you're trying to to do the least so you can help everybody else, it's not enough. Drain and driven doesn't work. Here's another one. What about this one? Well, my cup has a crack. So here we got some issues. We got people who are filled with, you know, they they got the right priorities. By the way, there's three things I should have explained. The cup is you. The saucer is like your family, and the plate is your community, okay? Let's say your job and everybody else outside of that. Well, this is a problem because they got the priorities right. They're being filled by God, but there's a crack, meaning that there's something, that there's a wound that hasn't been healed yet. And this is important for us to process even in in a community where God can heal our wounds, because for some of us, maybe that crack can be just some kind of emotional damage that we had, or maybe an insecurity, maybe a fear, a worry, that despite the fact that we're doing everything that we should do and we got the right priorities, why aren't I seeing the kind of results? I'm not living out of that overflow. It's because there's some healing that needs to happen deep down that maybe you've been ignoring. You're know, like, well, as long as I fill up you know, enough, it'll overcompensate the crack, right? No, it, it doesn't work that way. And so we got to be able to experience that healing. So there's one. Can we put another one? Here's thriving on events. Thriving on events is the third one, where here you got the plate is on top, and then you got the saucer and then the cup. Thriving on events are the kind of, uh, this is the kind of Christian who thrives on Sunday morning experiences only, all right? Where they don't do anything throughout the week, they don't fill, all they wanna do is they put their trust in Sunday to fill themselves up and that's gonna be enough. But see, it's not, these are the kind also that um, they go for the spiritual highs, like, you know, camps, retreats, conferences like they they live on the mountaintops but eventually you have to get down off the mountain into the valleys guys at the top of mountains do do you see trees and things grow on top of mountains no my mountain tops are great for those special moments but in the valley it's where life is and so these guys love to live on the mountains they don't like to go down to the valleys and it's not enough because you can't live conference high after conference high sunday high after sunday high it's not enough I've been there. I've tried it. It's not enough. This is not the way in order to live out of that overflow. And then, all right, well, let's, let's do the next one, which is a little similar. This isn't thriving on events, but thriving with being with people. So now, okay, well, we're going to put the, 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 you know, our family above those events. And so, yes, we go to church, but, but we're around people often. But here in this one is different because you are not connected primarily to Christ. What you're doing is you're trying to feed off of people. You're trying to kind of feed off of their overflow, right? And so can a cup ever be filled in this way? No, you can't fill your cup in this way, neither. Even if you got the right priority, you got, you know, well, I'm gonna put my family first. But but if you put your family first to a certain extent that you are not even in the equation, if you are not doing good, then you are no good to your family. I know that. Like if if I, I found my place, I was like, you know what? If I'm not in a good space, I'm not good to no one. I'm not good to Alicia, I'm not good to my kids. So there is a sense of priority that needs to happen. There is a sense of, it's not selfish guys, there is a sense of self-care that is not selfish. But this one is still, you're close but not really. And now here's the one where, oh, man, some people kind of go off a little too far. Can we go to the next one? This is the I love God's presence, okay? This is the I love God's presence person where, man, yep, they're, they're full and overflowing and they love God. They're just filled constantly with his word. They're thinking about him all the time, but there's a disconnect. You see the disconnect? Like you love God's presence, but there's a disconnect between you and your family and the community and everyone around you. It's like it's just all for you. You, 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 me, 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 me. This one is no good neither. And so even though there's a good element to it, there's a disconnect. The, the proper overflow is the last one. It's this one, guys. This is what it looks like. This is what I believe Barnabas was doing. This is what was happening to the Antioch church. This is what happens to any Christian who grows and matures when they got the right flow. This is the flow, that they're being filled again, encouraged by the word, by the truth, so much that the overflow of what God is doing is spilling out into their family, and what God is doing in the home is spilling out to everything outside of the home. Do you guys see that? There's only one way in which all three things are filled, and it's this, it's this. You can't love others. You know, Jesus said, love others as I have loved you. And so you have to have that experience of what is it to be loved by God so that you know how to love others. This is the proper flow. This is what it ought to look like as we go about our day being encouraged or uh, sticking to scripture and encouraging our neighbors. This is what it looks like. In fact, Paul says it in uh, 2 Corinthians. I'm going to put the verse up for you guys. Look what he says. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 5. This is the epitome, and he must have learned it. Who knows if he learned it from Barnabas and if he learned it from other brothers and sisters, but this is what he saw at Antioch. He said this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of what? All comfort. The God of all comfort, for he comforts us in our afflictions. That sounds like the I love God's presence one, right? He gets filled, filled, filled. But notice this. He comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to what? comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort that we ourselves received from God. And so that's an important one. Notice that that overflow. God encourages you for what purpose? So you can encourage someone else. God loves you for what purpose? So that you could love somebody else. God comforts you so you can comfort someone else that is the overflow that is what we're supposed to do guys the Christian life is supposed to live out of an overflow of who God is. And in the moment when maybe, you know what, I ha- I may be going through something and I got a disconnect, but if you're in relationship with others, that overflow kind of uh, splashes onto you. You kind of need to be in that splash zone when it comes to other brothers and sisters. So when something is off in yours, hopefully they're able to encourage you, point you back into the right uh, perspective or direction. This is what we all need. And so I'm going to ask you, which one of those uh, cups were you? Which one of those cups are you? Where do you find yourself? And if you find yourself for as Christians, and maybe this could be some of us, maybe you've kind of shown up today and, and you, you know, maybe it's drained and driven, right? You love Jesus, but man, you kind of, you love Jesus, but you, the heart is not there. You know, like you've lost your why, like you, you still believe, you believe in Jesus, you believe in his word, you believe it to be true, but you just kind of numb, you know? I don't know. And there could be a lot of different reasons for that maybe for some of us it's uh, uh maybe you, you saw that and maybe you kind of geared towards or the holy spirit's kind of showing you one of the the cracks that you may have maybe it's you're surrounding yourself with the wrong kind of spectator strategy you're not having people encouraging you in the word you're having other people encouraging you to do the other right for some of us uh especially those of us you know anybody we can be adults too but in school right you got the person telling you what what not you know what you shouldn't do and they're encouraging you and then if that's the voice you listen to but guys uh, regardless of the fact is what i love about god here and as we saw in those pictures so that the the, the picture was always being poured right the picture was always being poured and so guys what's amazing about god's love is that if at any point we just kind of block ourselves or refuse or miss it, it doesn't stop God's love from being poured out. In fact, the scripture says that His love or His mercy is new every single day. Meaning that God does not operate at a 99.9% at any point. He does not operate like our phones do, which all of our phones right now are disconnected. And you know, we're all at different times because we weren't connected to a source anymore. But God's love is has no hiccup, no drop in service. It is constant and consistent. And even when we reject the flow, He still pours it out lavishly on His people. It's up to us to be willing to say, God, I got a crack in my cup. Can you heal that crack? Lord, forgive me for putting, sometimes we try to do God's job for him. And so that's why we, we want to try to fill everybody else's cup instead of allowing God to fill ours. Or maybe, you know, again, we've, we've heard, that could be the other thing. We've refused to be filled by God's cup and we're just being filled by everything else. You know, there was a friend of mine told me, it's a teacher, uh, Back in Christian Nations, he told me a story of a of a boy who kept on bugging his mom, begging his mom, "Mom, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty, I want water." Mom, mom, I'm thirsty, I want water. And it was like, "No, not now." They had a bunch of like people over, and it's like, "No, not now. You gotta wait, you gotta wait." It's like, "But mom, but mom." We all know that sound, right? It's like, "Chalk," you know, and like, but mom. And so, mom, mom, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty. No, hold on, you gotta wait. I'm thirsty. Okay, fine. Kid comes back, and she walks in front, of him, and he had a cup of water. I was like, "Hey." Where'd you get that water? Because I, you can't reach the counter and I didn't give it to you. Who gave you that water? He's like, no, I got it. How'd you get it? I got it myself. Where'd you get it? The toilet. <laughs> listen, the reason why I say that is because, listen, if you're thirsty enough, you're going to want to drink whatever you can get. And uh, all of us, because of sin, we're we're all, we have dipped in the toilet of this world over and over and over again. And it's, something's not right. It's not enough. But guys, I'm here, I'm here to tell you that God is not gonna be like that kind of a mom in the story. He's not gonna say, okay, no, wait. He says, what do you need? I am what you need. He is that living water that he constantly pours out and constantly offers for us. And so when it comes to, again, growing in our faith, guys, it just starts by us always returning back to Christ, always putting the emphasis back on him. Not what can I do now so I can be more like Jesus. Can you just be with Jesus? How about that? You you see the difference? Can I just be with Jesus? And out of that, he makes the difference. He heals the cup, fills it, and he is all you need. And so I wanna be a Barnabas today to be able to encourage you guys to do the same, no matter where you are, all right? No matter how many times you've doubled it back in the toilet bowl of your sin, listen, Christ is always offering always offering that welcome to each and every one of us god is extending that offering to you and i pray that you may ask this question right now what is god telling me to do what is he telling me to do right now in response to his word i know the text today is an encouragement for us to say listen remain faithful in the lord with a devoted heart But I want you to know again that you and I can only remain in the Lord with a devoted heart because it is God who remains true to us with a devoted heart. It is because of Him that we can do. We can only be faithful to any extent, whatever that looks like, because Christ, our God is faithful. He first loved us before we could love. He first was devoted to us before we could be devoted to him. And when it comes to growing in your faith, guys, it is growing to know that love. The more you come to know the love of God, and this is why I tell you to stick to scripture as you go about your day. Let it not just be this casual thing that you do every once in a while. No, when you stick to scripture, encouraging your neighbor with the scriptures, with the truth of God, the more we linger, the more we receive, the more we reflect, the more we come to know that love and experience that love in us and through us. And that's the kind of, again, revolutionary Christian that Christ is looking for that revolves our life around the truth and the love of God, drawing deeper. Because the more you know the love of God, the more it will change your